Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, CNN podcast fans. This is David Axelrod inviting you to listen to my podcast, The Axe Files. I go beyond the sound bites in revealing conversations with the most interesting players in politics. Look for it at cnn.com slash podcast and on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app. And welcome back to the CNN Democratic Presidential Debate live here in Flint, Michigan. We want to continue the discussion now I want to turn to the subject of crime. As most of you know, two weeks ago, an Uber driver in Kalamazoo, which is two hours from where we are tonight, went on a shooting rampage, killing six people, injuring two people. One of the injured was a 14-year-old girl. Her name is Abigail Koff. She was shot in the head. Her heart stopped. She was on life support. It looked like she might, might not make it. But amazingly, Abigail pulled through. Her father... Her father, Gene Koff, is here tonight, and I know, Gene, you have a question, but before you ask your question, I just want to ask, how is Abigail doing tonight? Uh, she's now laughing and giggling, but she has a long road of physical recovery. I should point out, you are leaning toward uh, Senator Sanders, but I know you have a question that applies to both candidates. Uh, we'll first uh, toss it to Secretary Clinton. What's your question? Um, the United States has had a rash of mass shootings over the years, 42 shootings in the United States this year alone. The man who shot everyone, including my daughter in Kalamazoo, had no mental health issues reported and had a clear background. What do you plan to, ad- to do to address this serious epidemic? I don't want to hear anything about tougher laws for mental health or criminal backgrounds because that doesn't work. Secretary Clinton. Well... First of all, I'm looking at your daughter, and I'm very grateful that she's laughing and she's on a road to recovery. But it never should have happened. You know, on average, 90 people a day are killed by gun violence in our country. I think we have to try everything that works to try to limit the numbers of people and the kinds of people who are given access to firearms. The Brady Bill, which has been in effect now for about 23 years, has kept more than 2 million purchases from going forward. So we do have to continue to try to work on that because not every killer will have the same profile. But the comprehensive background checks, closing the gun show loophole, closing the online loophole, closing what's called the Charleston loophole, where you get a gun at the end of three days, even if the background check is not completed, which is what the killer in Charleston did, and then they found out later he shouldn't have gotten the gun, that he killed nine people at Mother Emanuel Church. I also believe so strongly, Gene, that giving immunity to gun makers and sellers 
was a terrible mistake because it removed any accountability uh, from the makers and the sellers. And it also disrupted what was a very promising legal theory to try to get makers to do more to make guns safer, for example, to try to give sellers more accountability for selling guns when they shouldn't have. So that is an issue that Senator Sanders and I differ on. I voted against giving them immunity, but I think we should very seriously move to repeal that and go back to making sure gun makers and sellers are like any other business. They can be held accountable. And then I do think we've got to have a public. Thank you. Well, we've got to have a public discussion because we have created a culture in which people grab for guns all the time. And there's got to be a way to have more warning signals yep. and more to, efforts to try to stop that from happening. I want to happening, go to Senator Sanders. Like with the man who yeah. shot Senator your Senator Sanders. I remember um, President Obama being on television maybe three months ago. I'm sure the secretary remembers as well. She knows the president. I know the president. And he's generally speaking in public, at least, not a very emotional guy. And he, after the mass killing in Oregon, if my memory is correct, he said, look, they are, to be honest with you, let's be honest, nobody has a magic solution to this problem. Any lunatic tomorrow, any person can walk into a theater and do something horrific. And you know what? For us to tell you that that absolutely will not happen would be untrue. But what the president said, he said, look, this is a tough issue. But we have got to do everything we possibly can to minimize the possibility of these mass killings. You're looking at a guy who comes from a rural state, no gun control. I have a D-minus voting record from the NRA. You're looking at a guy who in 1988 lost a statewide election for Congress because I was the only candidate who said, you know what, I don't think it's a great idea in this country to be selling military-style assault weapons, which are designed Senator, to kill Senator people. Sanders. I lost that election by three votes. Senator, I agree with what the secretary said. We need to expand and improve the instant background checks. Bottom line is people who should not have guns in America should not be able to buy Senator, guns Senator, in America. Secretary Clinton mentioned the so-called Charleston loophole, what she is calling the Charles, uh, Charleston loophole. Is that something, if you were president, you would work to extend Absolutely. that three-day? I day? agree. Absolutely. Look, that bill had some sensible provisions. It had the banning of bullets that pierce policemen's armor. Is that a good thing? I think we want to get rid of that. That particular legislation had uh, safety locks on guns so the kids do not pick them up and shoot them. That bill had bad things in it. So you and would what I have said longer than three day waiting. Period. Absolutely. That was a very arbitrary decision. What that real debate was about, as you may or may not know, was about how long it would take for the instant background check to go into effect. I wanted that instant background check to go into effect as soon as possible. That was the most important part of that bill. Secretary Clinton, um, actually, Senator Sanders, let me continue to follow up. Because Secretary Clinton mentioned the liability, right now, families of Sandy Hook victims announced that they are going to sue Remington, which made the AR-15, which was used in the Newtown massacre. Now, they believe 
Those families believe that, that Remington, the distributors, the sellers should be held legally responsible for how that begun, how their product is used. Now, the lawsuit may not go anywhere because of the bill you voted for, legislation that prevents gun makers from being sued. Tonight, what do you say to those families? Well, this is what I say, if I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong. If you go to a gun store and you legally purchase a gun, and then three days later, you go out and you start killing people. Is the point of this lawsuit to hold the gun shop owner or the manufacturer of that gun liable? If that is the point, I have to tell you I disagree. I disagree because you hold people, in terms of this liability thing, where you hold manufacturers' liability is if they understand that they're selling guns into an area that is getting into the hands of criminals, of course they should be held liable. But if they are selling a product to a person who buys it legally, what you're really talking about is ending gun manufacturing in America. I don't agree with that. Well, that, that, is not, that is not what happened. And I think it's important for people to understand. Because of the proliferation of guns, because of the epidemic of gun violence in our country, there were a group of cities, states, and other concerned people who, in the late 90s and in the early 2000s, were working on legal theories that they thought would force gun makers to do more to make guns safer and force sellers to be much more responsible. The NRA saw this happening, and they said, we've got to stop it. Last thing in the world we want is to have guns that you can only shoot with your fingerprint or to have guns with such strong safety locks on them that they may not be sellable. So the NRA went to the Congress, and the head of the NRA has said this was the most important NRA legislation in more than 20 years. And they basically went to the Congress. Secretary. I was there. I was in the Senate. And they said, give us absolute immunity. No other industry in America has absolute Senator, immunity. Well, and they Sanders, sell products all the time that cause uh, harm and their health responsibilities. As I understand, you know, as I understand it, what you're really talking about is not what Secretary Clinton is responding to. As I understand it, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but what you are essentially saying, what people are saying, is that if somebody who is crazy or a criminal or a horrible person goes around shooting people, the manufacturer of that gun should be held liable. And if that is your position, then what you are saying, essentially, if that is the case, as I understand it, it's not what Secretary Clinton is talking about. I agree with what she said. But if that is the case, then essentially your position is there should not be any guns in America, period. That is, now, I now understand. That is like can I, the NRA can I, position. Can no. I finish, please? All right? And... You can. There are people who hold that view, and that's fine if you hold it. I think what you do is you hold those people who have used the gun accountable. You try to make We're move guns on. as safe as possible, but I would disagree on that. We're issue. going to move on. Don? Well, the, the, Anderson, I just want to finish because this, I know some of the parents from Sandy Hook. I want people in this audience to think about what it must feel like to send off your first grader little backpack maybe on his or her back. And then the next thing you hear is that somebody has come to that school using an automatic weapon, 
an AR-15 and murdered those children. Now, they are trying to prevent that from happening to any other family. And the best way to do that is to go right at the people. You talk about corporate greed. The gun manufacturers sell guns to make as much money as they can make. Senator Sanders. You know, I think it is a little bit... It is a little bit... Look, what happened at Sandy Hook, what happened in Michigan, what has happened far too often all over this country is a terrible, terrible tragedy. And we have got to do everything we can, as I mentioned a moment ago, to end these mass killings. But as I understand what your question is, and, and you know, you're not the only person whose heart was broken. I was there in the Senate when we learned about this killing. It is almost unspeakable to talk about some lunatic walking into a room. I mean, it is hard to even talk about. We all feel that way. But if, as I understand it, Anderson, and maybe I'm wrong, what you're really talking about is people saying, let's end gun manufacturing in America. That's the implications of that. We're going to... And I don't agree gonna, with that. We're going to move on, Dunlim. All right, thank you very much, Anderson. <clears throat> as a black man in America, if I were born today, I'd have a one in three chance of ending up in prison in my life. Secretary Clinton, on the campaign trail, you are calling for an end to the era of mass incarceration. But a lot of folks in the black community blame the 1994 crime bill, a bill you supported, for locking up a generation of black men. Given what's happened since 1994, why should black people trust you to get it right this time? Well, Don, let me say this. Senator Sanders voted for that bill. We both supported it. And I think it's fair to say we did, because back then there was an outcry over the rising crime rate. And people from all communities were asking that action be taken. Now, my husband said at the NAACP last summer that it solved some problems, but it created other problems, and I agree. And one of those problems was, unfortunately, a move to expand the reasons why people would be incarcerated, not just at the federal level, which was what this bill was about, but in states and localities as well. And that's why the very first speech that I gave uh, in this campaign was about criminal justice reform and ending the era of mass incarceration, because I believe absolutely that too many families were broken up, too many communities were adversely affected. So we've got to do a bunch of things. On the criminal justice side, look, we've got to have better policing. That means body cameras. That means ending profiling. That means doing everything we can to make sure there's respect between the community and the police. And when it comes to incarceration, Secretary, that means we have to limit mandatory minimums. We have to end disparities in treatment. The question, that though, Secretary Clinton, is, is, is why should black people trust you this time to get it right? That's the question. Well, Senator Sanders voted for it as well. Are you going to ask him the same question? Probably yeah. Do will. Do you think your support, your, your husband, your husband has said that this bill was a mistake. Do you think it was a mistake? I just said that. He said at the NAACP that there were some aspects of it that worked well. The violence against women provisions have worked well, for example. But other aspects of it were a mistake, and I agree. That's why I'm focused and have a very comprehensive approach toward fixing the criminal justice system, going after systemic racism that stalks the criminal justice system, ending private prisons, ending the incarceration of low-level offenders, 
And I am committed to doing that. And Senator Sanders, before you respond, I want to ask you this. Back in 1994, here's what you warned. You said, we are dooming tens of millions of young people to a future of bitterness, misery, hopelessness, drugs, crime, and violence. But you voted for the bill anyway. Was your vote a mistake? You know, as I think Secretary Clinton knows, as we all know, there are bills in Congress that have bad stuff. There are bills in Congress that have good stuff. Good stuff and bad stuff in the same bill. Now, if I had voted against that bill, Secretary Clinton would be here tonight and she'd say, Bernie Sanders voted against the ban on assault weapons. Bernie Sanders voted against the Violence Against Women Act. Those were provisions in the bill, as the Secretary just indicated. So in that bill, there were some good provisions. I have been a fierce fighter against domestic violence ever since I was mayor in Burlington. Violence Against Women Act has protected millions of women in this country. It was in that bill. The ban on assault weapons, that's what I have fought for my whole life. It was in that bill. Now, what you are reading, though, is I went to the floor, as I recall, and that's what I said. I tried to get the death penalty aspects in that bill out. Secretary Clinton and I have a disagreement. I was then and I am now opposed to the death penalty. So, to answer your question, what you read was a congressman who was torn, who said there are good things in that bill, there are bad things overall, I voted for it. But where we are right now is having 2.2 million people in jail more than any other country on earth. I, this is a campaign promise. At the end of my first term, we will not have more people in jail than any other country. Thank you, Senator. We will Thank you that. very much. I want to go now to David McGee. He works for a foundation, and he is a youth development program director there in charge of the youth development program. He says he is undecided, but his question is for Senator Sanders. David? We live in a very diverse nation. Opportunities to lead, however, to be frank, are often at the feet of older, Caucasian, men and women. You're not talking about me, are you? <laughs> men more so than women. However, what experiences have you had that have helped you deeply understand the mindset and values of other cultures? Well, I, I think the best answer, I, you know, I, I don't know that I can give you a definitive answer here, um, but I'll give you this answer. Uh, when I was a young man at the University of Chicago, I worked with fellow black and white students trying to desegregate University of Chicago-owned housing. You know, I, most candidates for president don't usually put this on their resume, but a year later I was arrested by the Chicago police for trying to desegregate the Chicago school system. In 1963, and a very important day for me, I went to the March on Washington led by Dr. King for jobs and freedom. And Dr. King has been an important inspiration for me. In this campaign, if you go to berniesanders.com and read our position on criminal justice, it is, I believe, the strongest position of any candidate. And what it says, among many other things, when 51% of African-American kids today are unemployed or underemployed, you know what we're going to do? 
We're going to provide education and jobs for those kids, not jails and incarceration. In a speech about policing, the FBI director James Comey borrowed a phrase from the Broadway show Avenue Q saying, everyone is a little bit racist. So on a personal front, what racial blind spots do you have? Well, let me go ask, answer Mr. McGee's question, because I think it's a very profound one. I think the most important thing that happened to me was a combination of my church and my youth minister when I was a teenager insisting that we go into inner city Chicago because I lived in a suburb and have exchanges with kids in black and Hispanic churches. It was also important for me to be a babysitter for the children of migrant workers and to learn more about their lives and to go hear Dr. King speak in Chicago when I was about 14 years old. That got me thinking about what I needed to do to try to fulfill my faith. And when I was in law school, I had the opportunity to meet a visionary woman named Marion Wright Edelman, who had worked with Dr. King, who was the first African-American woman to pass the Mississippi bar. And I asked her for a job. She said she didn't have any money. I was working my way through law school. She said if I could get a job, uh, get myself paid, she'd give me a job. So I got a law student civil rights research council grant. The first thing she did was send me to South Carolina to investigate juveniles being put into adult jails. The second thing she did was to send me to Alabama to investigate segregated academies. So from that moment until today, I am so grateful for my experiences as a very young woman, driven by my church, and my experiences working for the Children's Defense Fund, which have given me at least some insight and certainly have lit a fire inside me to do everything I can Thank to you. address Thank you, systemic racism. Thank you, Secretary Clinton. I want to ask both of you this question over can, again. Can I, I, pre I appreciate. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I appreciate you responding no. to David McGee's question, but I want to ask you this, both of you, again. In a speech about policing, the FBI director James Comey borrowed a phrase from the Broadway show Avenue Q, saying everyone is a little bit racist. So on a personal front, what racial blind spots do you have? Secretary, you first. Well, John, if I could, I think being a white person in the United States of America, I know that I've never had the experience that so many of people, the people in this audience have had. And I think it's incumbent upon me and what I've been trying to talk about during this campaign is to urge white people to think about what it is like to have the talk with your kids, scared that your sons or daughters even could get in trouble for no good reason whatsoever, like Sandra Bland, and end up dead in a jail in Texas. And I have spent a lot of time with the mothers of African-American children who have lost them, Trayvon Martin's mother. And I've gotten to know them, I've listened to them, and it has been incredibly humbling because I can't pretend to have the experience that you have had and others have had, but I will do everything that I possibly can to not only do the best to understand and to empathize, but to tear down the barriers of systemic racism that are in the criminal justice system, in the employment system, in the education and healthcare system. That is what I will try to do to deal with 
What I know is the racism Thank that you, still Secretary. stalks our country. Senator Sanders, on a personal front, what racial blind spots do you have? Let me just very briefly tell you a story. Well, when I was in one of my first years in Congress, I went to a meeting downtown in Washington, D.C., and I went there with another congressman, an African-American congressman. And then we kind of separated during the meeting. And then I saw him out later on. And uh, he was sitting there waiting. And I said, well, let's go out and get a, I'm gonna get, a, get a cab. How come you didn't go out and get a cab? And he said, no, I don't get cabs in Washington, D.C. This is about 20 years ago. Because he was humiliated by the fact that cab drivers would go past them because he was black. I couldn't believe, you know, you just sit there and you say, this man did not take a cab 20 years ago in Washington, D.C. Tell you another story. I was with some young people active in the Black Lives Matter movement. Young lady comes up to me and she says, you don't understand what police do in certain black communities. You don't understand the degree to which we are terrorized. And I'm not just shooting, I'm not just talking about the horrible shootings that we have seen, which have got to end and we've got to hold police officers accountable. I'm just talking about everyday activities where police officers are bullying people. So what, to answer your question, I would say, and I think it's similar to what the secretary said, when you're white, you don't know what it's like to be living in a ghetto. You don't know what it's like to be poor. You don't know what it's like to be hassled when you walk down the street or you get dragged out of a car. And I believe that as a nation in the year 2016, we must be firm in making it clear. We will end institutional racism and reform a broken Thank criminal you. justice system. Thank you, Senator Sanders. Senator Sanders, a CNN poll found that 64% of Americans felt like race relations got worse over the last decade. You have said race relations would absolutely be better under Sanders' presidency. So how would you be more effective in tackling racial issues than President Barack Obama? It's not a question of being better than President Obama. It is a question of building on the work that President Obama has done, the very important work. You said absolutely, though, in an answer. No. Well, he has given us a good, good basis and foundation. We've got to do better than that. Of course we should. But here's what I would do. I would end, I would make sure that the Department of Justice investigated every killing of a citizen of this country when they are under apprehension from a police officer or when they are killed in police custody. I would end the militarization of local police departments. I would develop model programs to make police departments look like the communities that they serve. I would end minimal sentencing and give judges more discretion. I would recognize that substance abuse and drug addiction is a health issue, not a criminal issue. And, and I would make sure that those people who left jail had the education and job training so they don't go back into the same environment which got them in jail in the first place. Senator, thank you very much. Secretary Clinton, in 1996, you used the term super predators to describe some young kids. 
Some feel like it was racial code. Was it? And were you wrong to use that term? Well, I was speaking about um, drug cartels and criminal activity that was very concerning to uh, folks across the country. Um, I think it was a poor choice of words. I never used it before. I haven't used it since. I would not use it again. Because my whole life, to go back to what I was uh, saying to uh, Mr. McGee, is, you know, really, ever since I went to work for the Children's Defense Fund, is to try to figure out ways to even the odds for people that are left out and left behind. And I know very well that we have too many kids in our country right now who are living in poverty, who are going to schools like the ones in Detroit that have mold and rodents in them. I saw that in South Carolina. It's unfortunately across America. So what we've got to do is provide more opportunities earlier in the lives of every child. That's why I believe in supporting families, early childhood education, universal pre-kindergarten, help kids be successful. And here in Flint, we've got to do more to mitigate against the effects of lead because too many kids are having the experiences I've been told about where they're falling back in school, where they're having headaches because of the lead exposure. Thank so you. we're going to have to do even more here than we would do in most other we're, places. We're going to talk about education in just a moment. Well, we have, can we, I respond to that briefly? Uh, we're just, just in this, I am not sure which legislation that was, but I think it may have been the welfare reform, no, so-called, oh, that was the crime bill. crime bill. But during that same period, 96, there was a bill called, so-called, had a long title to it, welfare reform bill. And this bill really was a bill that scapegoated the poorest people in this country. I strongly oppose that legislation. Secretary Clinton had a different position then. And what that legislation ended up doing is increasing extreme poverty. The poorest people in this country have become much poorer as a result of that, really a bill that was written by Thank Republicans. You. Bad you. bill. Secretary Clinton, you were invoked. Well, so once again, said. if we're going to argue about the 90s, let's uh, try to get the facts straight. That bill had a lot of provisions that unfortunately were stripped out by George W. Bush, by Republican governors, and I disagree with the way it was applied. And I have a very clear set of ideas about what should be done uh, to try to provide more support, including trying to cut poverty in half in the next 10 years. But if we're going to talk about the 90s, Let's talk about 23 million new jobs, incomes went up for everybody, the median African-American income went up 33% at the end of the 90s, and we lifted more people out of poverty than at any other time in recent history. So we were on the right path. More jobs, rising incomes, along came George W. Bush and trickle-down economics and brought us the Great Senator Recession, thank which, you. thank goodness, President Obama has been digging us out of Secretary Clinton is right. 1990s, we created a whole lot of jobs. Good. And I supported many of your husband's initiatives. But in the 1990s, you know what we also did? We deregulated Wall Street, which allowed Wall Street to end up destroying our economy. We passed NAFTA and other disastrous trade agreements, which had a horrendous impact on African Americans in particular, in Flint, 
in Detroit and all across this country. So when we talk about the 90s, you're right, a lot of good things happened, but a lot of bad things happened. Thank you, Senator. I voted against those trade agreements. Thank you, Senator. And I voted against Wall Street deregulation. Thank you, Senator. We have to take a short break. The Democratic presidential discussion, the debate continues here from Flynn in just a moment. Democratic presidential debate here live in Flint, Michigan. Let's, let's move on to the subject of education. In nearby Detroit, the public schools have become a national symbol of neglect and failure. That school system is $3.5 billion in debt. Officials say they could run out of money by April. I want to bring in Shaniqua Kemp. She's right here. Ms. Kemp, her 14-year-old daughter, Imani, is a student in Detroit. Shaniqua is one of 10 parents suing Detroit public schools, not for money, she says, but to improve conditions. She says she's currently leaning towards Senator Sanders. Her question will go to both of you, but we'll start with Senator Sanders. Ms. Kemp. Thank you. Uh, speaking of opportunities for success, in Detroit, schools open and close with no accountability to or transparency to the communities that it, they service. Not only that, in our schools, as you stated, uh, we have issues with rats, mold, uh, no working water fountains, um, not to mention non-certified teachers, um, lack of accountability around transportation, special education, and so much more. With that said, our students can no longer suffer uh, due to lack of these things or having the, these the, the dilapidated issues take place. So my question is, who's going to step up? Who's going to ensure that the policies and procedures are put in place that will ensure and bring forth a successful future for our students? Because my daughter cannot wait for places to take place at your hands, at the leader's hands. Senator Sanders, let's start with you. Well, thank you very much for not being resigned to that horrendous situation, but being prepared to stand up and fight back. That's thank what you. we need all over this country. Thank you. And let me, let me be very honest with you. Hard thing to say, but it is true. A great nation is judged not by how many millionaires and billionaires it has, but by how it treats the most vulnerable amongst us. And that is the children, and that is the elderly. And do you know what? We should be ashamed of how we treat our kids and our senior citizens. Thank you. We have a Republican leadership in Congress now fighting for hundreds of billions of dollars in tax breaks for the top two-tenths of one percent, but somehow we can't come up with the money to fix Detroit's crumbling public school system. Somehow we cannot make sure that Detroit has qualified and good teachers. Somehow we can't make sure that there are summer programs for your children and after-school programs for your children. Somehow we cannot do what other countries around the world do, is provide quality childcare and pre-K. We have got to change our national priorities. No more tax breaks 
for billionaires and large corporations. We are going to invest in our children and have the best public school system in the world. Senator Sanders, before we go to Secretary Clinton, Senator Sanders, let me just follow up with you. As president, you have to decide where to spend your political capital. There's a lot of things you want to do. Where does fixing Ms. Kemp's daughter's school and other schools, where does that lay in your list of things Anderson, to do? Not only do we have a crumbling school system in Detroit and in many other areas, we have, and everybody in this room should be embarrassed by this, we have the highest rate of childhood poverty of almost any major country on earth. That is a disgrace. So when you ask me about my priorities, my priorities are that no, we're not going to give tax breaks to the wealthy. We're going to ask them to start paying their fair share of taxes so we could raise the money to make sure that every child in this country, in Detroit, in Vermont, gets the quality education that he or she deserves. Secretary Clinton. <clears throat> Ms. Kemp, here is what I would do as president. Number one, I would reinstate a program we did have during the 90s where the federal government provided funding to repair and modernize public schools because a lot of communities can't afford to do that on their own. Secondly, I would use every legal means at my disposal to try to force the governor and the state to return the schools to the people of Detroit, to end the emergency management, which I believe if you look at the, if you look at the data, the situation has only gotten worse with these emergency managers that have put the system further in debt. Number three, I want to set up inside the Department of Education, for want of a better term, kind of an education SWAT team, if you will, where we've got qualified people, teachers, principals, maybe folks who are retired, maybe folks who are active, but all of whom are willing to come and help. When Detroit gets back their schools, they should have all the help they can get to be able to get teachers into the classroom, to be able to find spaces while schools are being repaired. And I also would look at how we could, through the federal government, support more teachers, because we're going to have a teacher shortage in some of the hardest to teach districts, including Detroit. Let me just follow up with the secretary, then I'll come back to you, Senator Sanders. You've been, uh, you've been endorsed, Secretary Clinton, by two of the biggest teachers' unions. There's an awful lot of great teachers in this country. It's an incredibly difficult job, one of the most difficult jobs there is. But union rules often make it impossible to fire bad teachers, and that means disadvantaged kids are sometimes taught by the least qualified. Do you think unions protect bad teachers? You know what? I am proud to have been endorsed by the AFT and the NEA, and I've had very... I've had a very good relationship with both unions with their leadership and we've had really candid conversations because we are going to have to take a look what do we need in the 21st century to really involve families to help kids who have more problems than just academic problems a lot of what has happened and honestly it really pains me a lot of people have been blaming and scapegoating teachers because they don't want to put the money into the school system that deserve the support that comes from the government doing its job. 
So just to, to follow up, you don't believe unions protect bad teachers? You know what? I, I have told my friends at the top of both unions, we got to take a look at this because it is one of the most common criticisms. We need to eliminate that criticism. You know, teachers do so much good. They are often working under the most difficult circumstances. So anything, anything that could be changed, I want them to look at. And I Senator, will be a good partner to make sure that whatever I can do as president, I will do to Senator support Sanders, the teachers of our, our country. Cam what our campaign is about is asking people to think big, not small. And when we think big and we talk about education, we've got to ask ourselves a simple question. How is it, starting at college, that hundreds of thousands of bright young people are today unable to go to college because they can't afford it. How is it that maybe your kid, and when I was growing up, we didn't have any money, were not even dreaming about going to college because they knew it was another world. So starting with the top. Now I know some people think it's a radical idea, I don't. I believe that every public college and university in this country should be tuition free. So that your child your child, regardless of the income of your family, knows that if she studies hard, she is going to be able to go to college. And you know what else Thank we you, do? We invest in child care. Right now, you have child care workers making McDonald's wages. That is crazy. Thank you, I Senator. I want well-trained, well-paid child care workers to give our youngest kids the best opportunities available. Don, I want to go over to my colleague, Don Lemon. Anderson, thank you very much. Uh, Secretary Clinton, I want to turn now from the state of our nation's school to the state of our nation's crumbling infrastructure, which you talked a little bit about at the beginning of this debate. But beyond the Detroit schools and Flint water crisis, pipes, roads, and bridges are in need of repair. It would take trillions of dollars to fix it all. Senator Sanders has proposed a $1 trillion plan, but yours is only a quarter of that. Is your plan big enough to fix the crumbling infrastructure in this country? Well, there's no doubt we have uh, an enormous backlog of infrastructure repairs. Here's what I do. The Congress finally got around to passing the highway transportation bill, uh, which should never have been partisan. It turned into being one uh, partisan uh, argument. I want to go further. I want to put $250 billion additional on top of what Congress has done. That gets us to a half a billion. I want to start a national infrastructure bank. I want to capitalize it with $25 billion that I believe will leverage 10 times that. That's another $250 billion. So I'm trying to do this in a way that will gain support and be affordable, but there's no doubt we have to do more on our roads, our bridges, our tunnels, our ports, our airports. And as we talked about in the beginning here, under our ground, our water systems, our sewer systems, we have pipelines that are leaking and that are dangerous. We have so much work to be done, and we can put millions of people to work. I think my plan is a very good way to begin doing that work okay. and to get people out there doing it. Thank you, Secretary. Senator Sanders, critics of your $1 trillion proposal say it is yet another example of a costly plan that will never get through Congress and can't be paid for. The best infrastructure deal is what uh, the secretary just mentioned, the deal President Obama could negotiate with Republicans was a $305 billion highway bill. If he couldn't do more, how can you? Well, let's begin by discussing the problem. As you've indicated, the American Society of Civil Engineers say we need trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars, just to bring up 
our infrastructure to deal with water systems like Flint, just to bring them up to decent levels. We have suggested a trillion dollar investment. Now, you know how we're going to pay for that? I'll tell you how we're going to pay for that. Right now, this country is losing $100 billion every single year because profitable corporations are stashing their profits in the Cayman Islands, Bermuda, and in other tax havens. <clears throat> and in some cases, not paying five cents in federal income tax. I will eliminate that outrageous loophole, and we will raise a trillion dollars. And by the way, not only do we rebuild our crumbling infrastructure, trillion dollars over five years creates 13 million decent-paying jobs. You. Thank you, Senator Sanders. <clears throat> the issue of climate change has been a major uh, talking point for both of you. I wanted to bring in Sarah Belair. She's a student at the University of Michigan at Dearborn who says she's currently undecided. Ms. Belair has a question on fracking, which for viewers is a process of oil and gas drilling that's led to a significant increase in American energy production and jobs, but also raises serious environmental concerns. Sarah, your question is for Secretary Clinton, but you'll both be able to weigh in. Sarah? Fracking can lead to environmental pollution, including, but not limited to, the contamination of a water supply. Do you support fracking? Secretary Clinton? You know, I don't support it when any locality or any state is against it, number one. I don't support it when the uh, release of methane or contamination of water is present. I don't support it, number three, unless we can require that anybody who fracks has to tell us exactly what chemicals they are using. So by the time we get through all of my conditions, I do not think there will be many places in America where fracking will continue to take place. And I think that's the best approach, because right now there are places where fracking is going on that are not sufficiently regulated. So first, we've got to regulate everything that is currently underway, and we have to have a system in place that prevents further fracking unless conditions like the ones that I just mentioned are met. Senator Sanders, you... you, my, answer, you my answer is a lot shorter. No, I do not support fracking. And by the way, by the way, Anderson, I'm glad you raised the issue of climate change because the media doesn't talk enough about what the scientists are telling us, and that is if we don't get our act together, the planet that we're going to leave our children may not be healthy and habitable. I have introduced the most comprehensive led climate change legislation in the history of the Senate, which, among other things, calls for a tax on carbon, massive investments in energy efficiency, wind, solar, and other sustainable energy. Senator, this is a crisis we have got to deal with now. Senator Sanders, though... To Secretary Clinton's point, there are a number of Democratic governors in many states who say that fracking can be done safely and that it's helping their economies. Are they wrong? Yes. You know, you know one of the differences, look, Secretary Clinton, and I've said this before, and I admit it, she has the support of all the governors, Democratic, all the senators, all the congressmen. I don't. I am not part of that establishment. I plead guilty. I happen to be a member of the Environmental Committee. I have talked to scientists all over the world. And what they are telling me, if we don't get our act together, 
This planet could be five to 10 degrees warmer by the end of this century. Cataclysmic problems for this planet. This is a national crisis. And I talk to scientists who tell me that fracking is doing terrible things to water systems all over this country. We have got to be bold now. We've got to transform our energy system to energy efficiency and sustainable energy. We've got to do it yesterday. Secretary Clinton, before we come to you. Secretary Clinton's going to be able to respond, but Senator Sanders, you've been very tough lately. Last week, you said this about Secretary Clinton, quote, just as I believe you can't take on Wall Street while taking their money, I don't believe you can take on climate change effectively while taking money from those who would profit off the destruction of the planet. Are you suggesting that she's in the pocket of the fossil fuel industry? No, what I am suggesting is that we have a corrupt campaign finance system. And instead of standing up to that finance system, Instead of standing up to that finance system, Secretary Clinton has a super PAC, which is raising huge amounts of, oh, I hate to say the word huge, every time I say huge, it means like a lot of money from Wall Street and from the fossil fuel industry. I am doing it a different way. I have five million individual contributors who have gone to berniesanders.com to make a $27 contribution. Thank you, Senator. I don't take money for the fossil fuel industry. <laughs> Secretary Clinton? Well, first, let me say I think I have the most comprehensive plan to combat climate change. It sets some very big goals. A half a billion more solar panels deployed by the end of my first term, if I'm so fortunate to be president, and enough clean energy to power every home by the end of my second term. What I am looking at is how we make the transition from where we are today to where we must be. I worked with President Obama during the four years I was Secretary of State to begin to put pressure on China and India and other countries to join with us to have a global agreement which we finally got in Paris. So I am committed to and focused on how we make that transition. I've already said we're taking Thank away you. the subsidies for oil and gas. But it is important that people understand that a president can't go ordering folks around. Secretary. Our system doesn't permit that. I'm going to set the goals. I will push everybody as hard as I can Secretary. to achieve those goals. Just before we will make progress on clean, renewable energy Secretary. and create millions of jobs through that. Senator Sanders on the camp. On the campaign trail, Senator Sanders often refers to a fundraiser in January that was hosted by executives from a firm that's invested significantly in domestic fracking. Do you have any comment on that? I, I don't have any comment. I don't, I don't know that. I don't uh, believe that there's any reason uh, to be concerned about it. I, I admire what uh, Senator Sanders has accomplished in his campaign. I have more than 850,000 donors. Most of them give less than $100. I'm very proud of that. And I just want to make one point. You know, we have our differences and we get into vigorous debate about issues. But compare the substance of this debate with what you saw on the Republican stage last week. Senator Sanders. Well, let, let me make a couple of responses. Let me pick up on the last point the secretary made. 
You know, we are, if elected president, going to invest a lot of money into mental health. And when you watch these Republican debates, you know why we need to invest in mental health. But here's the difference. Here is the difference. It's not a personal difference. We just do things differently. All right. I'd honestly, look, we have a corrupt campaign finance system. And what Secretary Clinton is saying, and what every candidate who receives money from the fossil fuel industry, or the drug companies, or Wall Street say, not going to impact me. The question the American people have to ask is, why are these people putting millions of dollars into candidates if it's not going to make a difference? Thank you, Senator. And that is why, by the way, that is why one of my top priorities, if elected president, will be to overturn this outrageous Citizens United Supreme Thank Court. Thank you very much, Senator. And Secretary Clinton, now we have to go. And that, that is one of the many reasons we must all support President Obama's right to nominate a successor to Justice Scalia and demand that the Senate hold hearings and a vote on that success. We have to take a there break. There are so many issues at stake. On the first day of my campaign, I said, we are going to reverse Citizens United. Thank you, Secretary. And if we can't get it done through the court, have, I will lead a constitutional amendment we have more, effort. We have more questions. It that way. More questions coming up. Much more of the Democratic presidential debate here in Flint right after that. Democratic presidential debate. Thanks very much for joining us. Secretary Clinton, uh, I want to ask you about something you talked about this morning. You said this morning about your emails that you expect the investigation to be wrapped up soon. The Republican frontrunner, Donald Trump, says he's going to talk about your emails every single day if he's the nominee and out on the campaign trail. Democrats want to know, your supporters want to know, if you're the nominee, how are you going to take him on? Well... Let me start by saying that um, the last time I checked, as of last night, um, Donald Trump had received uh, 3.6 million votes, which is a good number. And there's only one candidate in either party who has more votes than him, and that's me. And I am, um, I am building a broad, diverse coalition across our country. I am very uh, excited by the support we're receiving. And I have said, and I will repeat here, um, I think that uh, Donald Trump's uh, bigotry, his uh, bullying, his bluster um, are not going to wear well on the American people. And so I will look forward I will look forward to engaging him uh, because, you know, I don't think we need to make America great again. America didn't stop being great. We have to make it whole again. We have to knock down the barriers. We have to end the divisiveness. We have to unify the country. Uh, and if I'm fortunate enough to be the nominee, that's exactly what I will do. 
Senator Sanders, I want to ask you basically the same question. He's called you a, a communist. How are you going to... That was one of the nice things that he said about me. I'll tell you something. This is my right arm. I'm prepared to give... No, I shouldn't say that. I would love to run against Donald Trump. And I'll tell you why. For a start, what almost, not all, but almost every poll has shown is that Sanders versus Trump does a lot better than Clinton versus Trump. <laughs> right here in Michigan, there was a poll done, I think yesterday or today, had me beating Trump in Michigan by 22 points. <laughs> Secretary Clinton beat him as well, but not by so much. And that's true nationally and in many other states. And the other reason I think we can beat Trump is that our campaign is generating an enormous amount of excitement. Just in the last two days, we have won the caucuses in Maine. We won that tonight with a very large turnout. We won Nebraska. We won Kansas. In Kansas, it was the biggest turnout in their caucus history. I think we are exciting working class people, young people who are prepared to stand up and demand that we have a government that represents all of us Thank and you. not just the few. Thank you. I want to, uh, we have a question from Denise Gaddis. She grew up here in Flint, Michigan. She says she's undecided on a candidate. She's got a question uh, for, actually she's got two questions. First one is for Senator Sanders, then she'll ask another question to Secretary Clinton. Denise? Thank you. Senator Sanders, do you believe that God is relevant? Why or why not? Well, I think, well, the answer is yes. And I think when we talk about God, whether it is Christianity or Judaism or Islam or Buddhism, what we are talking about is what all religions hold dear. And that is to do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. I am here tonight and I'm running for president. I'm a United States senator from my great state of Vermont because I believe that. Because I believe morally and ethically we do not have a right to turn our backs on children in Flint, Michigan who are being poisoned or veterans who are sleeping out on the street. And what I believe, what I believe as the father of seven beautiful grandchildren, I want you to worry about my grandchildren, and I promise you, I will worry about your family. We are in this together. Senator Sanders. Let me just follow up. Just this weekend, there was an article I read in the Detroit News saying that, that you keep your Judaism in the background, and that's disappointing some Jewish leaders. Is that intentional? No. I am very proud to be Jewish, and being Jewish is so much of what I am. Look, my father's family was wiped out by Hitler in the Holocaust. I know about what crazy and radical and extremist politics mean. I learned that lesson as a tiny, tiny child when my mother would take me shopping and we would see people working in stores who had numbers on their arms because they were in Hitler's concentration camp. I am very proud of being Jewish and that is an essential part of who I am as a human being.
Denise, Denise has a question for Secretary Clinton. Denise? Yes. Secretary Clinton, during our church services, we pray for the President of the United States, we pray for the armed forces, we pray for all civil authorities, three times during our literature, and we give thanks to them. We pray for our loved ones, we pray for our enemies. To whom and for whom do you pray? Well, I have been several times in your services and have joined in those prayers and have also been privileged to lead them in some settings. I pray very specifically for people whom I know by name, people who either have gone through or are experiencing difficult times, illness, divorce, death, disappointment, all of the um, life experiences that confront most of us. I pray for the will of God to be known so that we can know it and to the best of our limited ability, try to follow it and fulfill it. I have said many times that, you know, I am a praying person and if I hadn't been, uh, during the time I was in the White House, I would have become one because it's very hard to imagine uh, living under that kind of pressure uh, without being able to fall back on prayer and on my faith. So I do pray for people in authority. I try to think about what they're going through, even when I disagree with them, trying to find some common ground, some common understanding uh, that perhaps can make me more empathetic. I don't always succeed, I will tell you that. Um, so I pray on a pretty regular basis during the day because I need that strength and I need that support. Um, and especially when you are in the position that I'm in and that Senator Sanders is in, where you are asking people to vote for you, to give you the most important job, not only in our country, but I would argue in the world. I think humility is one of the most important attributes that you bring to both that seeking and then if you're fortunate enough to that holding of office. And that's what I will try to do. Thank you, Secretary. It's time for closing statements. You will each have one minute for a closing statement. Senator Sanders, we begin with you. Um, my father came to this country at the age of 17 without any money, never made any money. We lived in a three-and-a-half-room rent-controlled apartment. So I learned about economics, not just in college, but in living in a family that didn't have money that I had to scrape by. We are here tonight in Flint, Michigan, because a horrendous tragedy is taking place. But it's not just in Flint, Michigan. We have 29 million people who have no health insurance. We're the only major country on earth that doesn't provide paid family and medical leave. We have school systems around America that are collapsing. And yet we are the wealthiest country in the history of the world. But most people don't know that because almost all of the new income and wealth is going to the top 1%. 
I believe, in all due respect to my good friend, Secretary Clinton, that it is too late for establishment politics and establishment economics. It is too late for a corrupt campaign finance system and super PACs that raise enormous amounts of money from special interests. We need in this country a political revolution where ordinary people stand up and reclaim the government that men and women fought and died for. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. Secretary Clinton. Well, I'm running for president to do my very best to knock down every barrier that stands in the way of America really realizing its potential and every American having a chance to live up to his or her God-given potential. We have a lot of work to do. We have economic barriers. That's why I've laid out plans for more good jobs with rising incomes. We have barriers that stand in the way of quality health care. That's why I will build on the Affordable Care Act. We have barriers to education. That's why I want to start early and provide debt-free tuition and deal with student debt so that it is no longer the burden that weighs down so many young Americans. And I do want to take on the barriers of systemic racism. I may not have experienced them, but I see the results every single day. So I'm asking for your support in the primary here in Michigan on Tuesday. I'm asking for it, and I will do whatever I can as the Democratic nominee to run a campaign you'll be proud of. I don't intend to get into the gutter with whoever they nominate, but instead to lift our sights, to set big goals, to make it clear that America's best days can be and are ahead of us. I want to thank both the candidates. While we've been debating tonight, CNN has learned that a labor union fund has committed $25 million in low-interest loans to help replace lead-contaminated pipes. I want to thank the candidates, the Democratic National Committee, our hosts here at the Flint Cultural Center, and most of all, the people of Flint. Just two days from now, it's another Super Tuesday when Michigan and three other states hold primaries. We'll have all-day coverage. On Wednesday, we'll simulcast the next Democratic presidential debate. It'll air on CNN in English and on Univision in Spanish. And on Thursday, CNN hosts a Republican presidential debate in Miami, the last one before the critical Florida and Ohio primaries. We'll have full analysis of tonight's debate in one hour. Right now, please stay tuned for the premiere of a brand new CNN original series about great American presidential races. Here is the race for the White House. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.